Hey everyone, I'm Rob Lee, and this is Beloved Journal. Each week, I sit down with one of my friends as we discuss what it means to love and be loved. I'm not talking about romantic love, but the kind of love that leads us to empathy, compassion, and grace. Things our world desperately needs right now. Hey everybody, uh, this is a special episode of Beloved Journal where I actually get to interview uh, my wife, Stephanie Lee. Um, for those of you who don't know, Stephanie is the producer um, of this show. And she also uh, recently had a COVID scare in, in which she was tested twice and had to be in quarantine and isolation. And, and so we talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about um, the realities and complexities of being married after being married for three years coming up this Wednesday, um, the 27th. And so we're going to have a, a good conversation, and I hope that in so doing you might see a little bit behind the scenes of Beloved and why we do what we do. Um, so let's listen in. Stephanie, I guess I shouldn't really welcome you to Beloved Journal as you're here all the time um, helping produce the show. Um, but I'm really glad you're okay. Me too. Thanks for having me. There we go. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, as, as you, as you've been dealing, uh, with the past week or so, um, you've been dealing with the possibility, um, of having COVID-19, um, and been dealing with the realities of what that might look like, of how that was affecting you as you were isolated and quarantined. How has that affected your outlook on the virus that has caused this pandemic and the realities that our world faces? Yeah, so um, I was experiencing some chest pain and I have asthma, so um, kind of wrote it off for a little bit as, you know, I've been trying to increase my running speed um, and working on that during quarantine. And so... I kind of put it off, but then I had a fever and a cough. And so we went and I got tested and I got tested one time that came back invalid. I got tested again and that came back negative. Um, but through all of it, I, I did kind of get to live the experience of someone working with the health system in order to find out if they're um, COVID positive or negative, find treatment. I mean, there is no treatment other than cough syrup and an inhaler, um, despite what Donald Trump says. And so I kind of got to experience that firsthand. And I will say it was a little jarring as someone, you know, you're sick, you're not feeling well to go into a healthcare situation and not be able to really be comforted. You are very isolated on purpose, which makes sense. Um, and then it's kind of like an in and out situation where people don't, there's no bedside, you know, hand holding. There's nothing like that. It's kind of an in and out for the healthcare worker's safety, um, which leaves the patient kind of, um, for me, I, it just, it was like, wow, I, I really miss that. I miss having my doctor be like, oh, it'll be okay. How are you? Catching up on your life. Um, so that was really hard. And then another thing that I 
kind of, I wasn't expecting, um, I had heard about it, but I hadn't, you know, you can hear the news and watch the news and not really have it resonate with you until you have some sort of an experience was how our health system still isn't fully set up to manage this. Um, I had an experience where the doctor said, do we have to test her? Um, you know, they were figuring out the new rollout of a new test. I guess the test had been updated since I had, you know, between the last patient and me coming in. Um, not everyone was in full PPE and in an area designated to COVID. And that was one of my experiences in the testing environment. The other one, um, they were full out PPE, like face shield, everything. Um, more thorough, had a better grip of understanding on how the test is taken, you know, how they take the specimen from your um, sinuses. And, you know, it, it just, it, we aren't prepared or we weren't prepared um, and people are trying their best, but you can see and experience how um, unprecedented this is. You know, it's not like going for a flu or anything, you know, like you might, it, it's uncomparable to anything else. Well, with, you know, the realities of this pandemic, over 90,000 Americans have died, and that's just uh, in the United States. That's not counting the worldwide count. Um, millions have been affected um, by this coronavirus, either directly or indirectly. Um, and and it, it seems like there is there are two sets of thought. It seems that one, on one side you've got people um, like you who were vigilant and went to check it out. And it seems like other people... Um, have been kind of flippant about it. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Um, and, and it's hard. You know, one of the things that I kept thinking about while you were dealing with this was, gosh, this is what so many Americans uh, and people across the world, for that matter, are feeling right now. They feel helpless. Uh, they can't go see their loved one. Um, they can't uh, experience holding someone's hand because while this person is sick. And you know, and while that's certainly not the main concern, it is a concern. So I'm wondering what emotions and thoughts were going through your head um, as you awaited the test results? You were in quarantine. You were by yourself. Um, that must have been hard. Yeah, it, it was hard. And someone with anxiety, you know, like I have anxiety anyway, but then in this environment on top of it, anxiety was definitely... Um, I'd say running free. Uh, I did not have that good of a grasp on it, to be honest. Um, because not only are you sick, you don't feel well, regardless of whether you have COVID or not. You know, you're sick, you want to test, you can't, I mean, you want to rest, you can't um, go and do the things. Like for me, running is a big outlet, so it's cleaning. Um, doing projects around the house and you just are isolated in bed. Um, so that affects mental health and I'm not, I do not like to be alone. So for me being alone was really hard. 
Um, and then on top of it, you worry about who else you got sick, um, what you could have, what you did to get sick. Um, for me, that was my experience. And, you know, like you said, Rob, we really lucked out. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I didn't, you know, I didn't get COVID or if I did, it, it was, you know, undetectable. Um, and there are people going through this and they, it, and it ends completely differently. They, it ends in a, a loss um, or irreparable damage to their health. People who are uninsured. I mean, I didn't even think twice about going to get a second test because I wanted that. I needed that peace of mind. I needed to go back to my employer and say, no, I'm not going to get everybody sick. Um, but I didn't even think about cost or um, how I was going to pay that medical bill because that's the privilege that I have. And there are people who don't have that. Um, and so personally it I get kind of I get really pissed honestly when people don't take this seriously because you might you know you like you and me we might be okay if something happens um but there are people around you and in the community who won't be okay they might not have health insurance they might have an underlying health condition and it's so easy just to put on a mask um or wash your hands, or just act like this isn't a free-for-all. You know, we're, we live in North Carolina, and phase two happened last night. Um, five o'clock, restaurants were open at 50% capacity. And you and I, we put on our masks, and we, you know, loaded up our hand sanitizer that we still have left, and we went grocery shopping. And no one had a mask. It was ridiculous um and so while my experience I had a little tiny taste of it what the COVID experience is um it, it shouldn't take that for other people to just do everyone a solid you know and either stay at home or be cautious or even act like we're in a pandemic um, these people really need Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, I yeah. think, I think, you know, um, one of the things that will be said of us, you and I, um, whenever uh, we get to where we're going is that this has been a journey, um, whether it's with, um, you know, the coronavirus, whether it's with churches, uh, whether it's with, uh, the public eye, we have been, uh, all kinds of places over the past three years of marriage and uh, beyond that in dating. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious as we're, we're, we're approaching our uh, third wedding anniversary and there was talk that if you were still sick, how would we you know, celebrate that um, if we couldn't be together? So uh, all, that got, all that got me thinking was, you know, what would you tell Stephanie three years ago on May 27th um, as she was about to walk down the aisle? Um, I would tell her to buckle up 
sister, because this is, marriage is a journey in itself. Um, and I know every married person that I talk to agrees with this, that it is a hard work, not because of anybody, it's no one's fault or anything. Every marriage is hard work. I mean, you're standing in front of people and you are telling them that you're going to stay together and you're going to tough it out regardless of what happens. And so we did that and, and you know, we promised, I actually was looking at our wedding vows. We, I have them framed in our house and one of them says, you are my greatest challenge. And I think that that's so, I mean, we vowed that to each other, that we, it's inevitable that we were going to challenge each other. And who knew that, you know, two months in that we, you would start your public theology career and we would battle job loss, um, a pandemic, moving I think we've moved like four times within our marriage um and just being human amongst all of that but then to be human as a partner to someone as anyone can attest is it it is a struggle and it but it's also a blessing um to be able to you know we often refer to team lee right like we're on each other's team um whatever happens We'll be there, we'll be present, and we'll be active in finding solutions or just, you know, holding each other. And anyone who's been on a team knows that it takes, I mean, you go to practice, a sports team, you go to practice, you have communication drills. It's not that much different. Um, So that's what I would tell. I would tell her to buckle up and also to... um, you know, as a girl, and on your wedding day, you imagine that day, and ours, our wedding day, I don't want to brag, but I, I mean, it was a fairy tale. Um, I don't think I'd change anything about it. But you're really caught up in this environment where everyone's around you, and everyone's celebrating your love, and you are, everyone's dressed to the nines, and it's just this day built around happiness. And someone at our wedding came up to us, um, and told us to take a picture and remember this for when marriage got hard. And I'm so glad we had that advice um, because you do kind of cling to that. You have the you have highs and lows in any life, but we have lived through many highs and lows together, squished all into one you know three year period. Well, and I, so I, yeah. A few months to the day, though, I mean, um, after our wedding, um, Charlottesville happened, and then a few months again to the day, to our wedding, um, I walked on the stage of MTV, um, you were in the audience, and quite literally our lives changed forever, um, in an instant, um, Talk about that, because I think, you know, I'm always the one talking about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Well, I remember we were following the news. We were at my parents, and we were following the news about Charlottesville on Twitter, 
primarily. We were kind of all gathered together and you and I were sending tweets back and forth like we usually do. Um, our DMs with each other are our primary mode of communication, I think. And I, I remember thinking, when is someone going to do something about this? You know, when are the good guys going to come in? I mean, they're freaking Nazis, truly like skinheads, feeling so empowered by the world that we live in that they feel like they can go and in public you know, in, in start all of this chaos around a statue in Virginia. And I just was, I was honestly shocked and that might be how naive I was about the world. Um, but that, that's, the, that's what sticks out to me. You know, I didn't, I wanted to know what was happening um, and who was going to do something about it. And you were one of the people who did something about it. Um, you had that unique connection with the history of the statue um, and the symbolism of white supremacy. And you wrote a piece and I was so proud of you then. And then you went on um, Weekend Edition, which we drove around in your Jeep listening to. Um, because as NPR nerds, that was so cool um, that you were given that platform to speak out. You know, like, oh my gosh, people are, are actually listening and, and maybe hearts will change. And then the VMAs, which is a, a blur. And then on the way home from the VMAs, dealing with job loss, Um it really felt like everything that could go wrong from Nazis marching in Virginia to um, people not being as receptive to your message as I thought they would be. Um, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I don't, I'm very, I'm a logical person. Um, I don't mince words. And so to me, it was a no-brainer. Like, yeah, definitely be against the Nazis. Um, definitely, you know, take that time or that opportunity for introspection. And still, to this day, I am sometimes baffled that people really just cannot grasp the concept. Um, but our, through it all, you know, going back to talking about being a team when you're dealing with things like trolls or um, job loss, it's really, really, I mean, it descends on you kind of like a, a storm cloud and it affects, it permeates everything. I, I mean, from my experience, that anxiety of, is someone going to actually carry out their death threat? to are we going to ever recover financially from a job loss or um, will people ever accept us for who we are? All of that kind of sinks in and permeates through. And so, and I know a lot of Americans are going through 
situations like that where they're isolated, they don't know what the future holds for their jobs, their positions, um, there's financial insecurity, and the biggest thing that I learned through it all was that we needed to be kind to each other and we needed to be kind to other people even when it seemed like no one wanted to be kind to us. Well, I agree with you, and I think that's something that... Uh... Oh, sorry. Did you show them my... <laughs> my thing came unplugged. Um, that's something that we've learned, I think, Steph, and uh, you know, I think that um, we're working hard at that, not only in Statesville, but across the country. Um, one of the ways that you are doing that um, and working through... Um, the the challenges that we faced in August of 2017, but not only then, but throughout the past three um, or so years, has been um, beloved, um, beloved journal. Um, you know all this stuff. Tell us about what you're doing now. Well, beloved journal um, was definitely, I I think people would call it spirit led. Um, it wasn't something where I sat down and I was like, how, what can, what conversations can we have? How can we continue this model that Rob has of getting down on a human level, having connections with people, having a conversation, making it a safe space and doing it all hopefully with the idea of love, you know, that, People need to love themselves. They need to love others. Um, and you and I, as Christians, obviously that has been kind of one of the things that I grew up Catholic and, and you're Protestant and now you're non-denominational and I'm whatever I am. Um, but the thing that ties everything together is that we are called to love each other. And so with my media training, you know, having a journalism degree and working in marketing, um, it just made sense to me to have some sort of a media outlet where we could, you and I could together tell these stories. Um, I think I'm a great professional, but I know that you ask these questions and talk to people much, much better than me. Um, your fuse is a lot longer than mine is. And so when the pandemic hit um, and all of your speaking gigs were canceled, I remember you, we had talked about Beloved and we had kind of dreamed about it and said, oh, well, you know, we've got this and that going on now isn't the time. And once the speaking gigs, you know, obviously people can't come to an auditorium and hear you speak. Um, that gave us a lot of more time to be together and kind of uh, mesh it out. And you've done a wonderful job getting people to come and talk with you. And then I assume my role where I'm comfortable, you know, behind the scenes um, asking you <laughs> to change the volume levels 
on things and advising on the blog and social media. Um, but like, we're not making any money off of this, right? Like we, this is really just something that both of us felt like we needed to do. I think you're right. I think that um, it's what we love. It's who we are. So, yeah. Stephanie, um, we are so thankful that you were okay. Um, we are so thankful that you're feeling better. Um, and we look forward uh, to all that beloved and all that we have in store. And happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Thank I love you. you. Love you. Beloved Journal is produced by Stephanie Lee and hosted by Rob Lee. Our theme music is by Mipso, the best band in the world. Connect with us on belovedjournal.com, and if you like what you heard, tell someone about it.